Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, I'm talking to a pit master who's also a master of building pits. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode 120 of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, and we've got an absolute cracker for those of you at home who love to DIY. Now, before we get into uh, in, into the show, I'm going to be uh, just running a couple of announcements by you. The first one is that we have a free mini ebook available for you over on the Smoking Hot Confessions website. It's the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. So if you're just at the start of your barbecue journey, you're just sort of getting into it, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com, have a bit of a scroll around, bit of a click through, and a pop-up will come up. It'll offer you the free download, put your details in there and we'll shoot it straight out to your email. Next thing is that the video format for the show now has gone absolutely crazy over the last 12 weeks. We've been running about a three-month trial, and so we're looking at introducing some uh, some business partners now, some people who'd like to get a, some 60-second video clips into the episode here to get their barbecue message out to the masses. So if you think that's you, shoot me a message, ben at smokinghotconfessions.com, and let's get you sorted on that. And the last one is just a quick reminder, if you're watching this video on Facebook, give us a like and a share. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, a subscribe, and make sure you hit that little notification bell so you get notified every time we upload a new video. If you're watching on IGTV, give us one of those cute little hearts and a follow. And of course, if you're listening on a podcasting app, check out the app, see if you can rate and review us, particularly if you're listening on an Apple phone. The Apple ratings in particular are super important, so do give us a five-star rating and review there. That would really, really help us out. Okay, so today's guest, he's a man who's a champion um, of the barbecue scene in WA. He's a competitor, he's a pit builder, he's a caterer, and he co-owns a barbecue school. So we are talking to the one and only Jason Molly Meldrum tonight. So without further ado, let's get Jason in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? G'day, Jason. Thank you for joining me in the confessional tonight. How are you, my friend? Yeah, not too bad at all. Awesome, man. Tell me what's news. What What have you been doing? Oh, anything and everything to do with barbecue lately. It's um, with the whole way the world's going at the moment, barbecue really is pumping over here in WA. Yeah, well, I was going to get into that um, just a bit later on, but uh, let's let's get stuck right into it straight out the gate. Then I um I did see a message um, from Stephen Carter in the in the Smoking Hot Confessions fa- uh, barbecue community today on on Facebook saying that uh, things are going great guns for the barbecue scene. You got competitions and all sorts of stuff happening over there. Tell me what uh, what's going on in WA. Yeah, well, there was a small um, backyard series yesterday. Um, We're all back at catering and we did a pop-up today as Smash As Burger Co. in Fremantle. Um, We got a KCBS full series uh, competition next, well, September 18th, 19th, so next month, down at Bunbury for um, Ryan's Meats. And then we're back doing our schools, um, all basically just as normal over here in WA. Oh, that's that's great that life has gone back to normal there, and you do get to start having those KCBS comps. So, will that comp in Bunbury? Will that be the first one, like the the first KCBS comp for the year? Yeah, well, not for the oh no. So we had one, I think, in January or February. Had the Governor's Cup over here. Oh um, yeah, at the Governor's House. Um, that was a. 
I think it was only a 12-team one, um, but this is the first one since the COVID stuff really started. That's got to be a good feeling to be able to get back in the saddle there. It definitely is, and uh, all we want to do is have comps. So we don't care how we get them as long as we get them. Yeah. So j- just give us a bit of a rundown on the on the barbecue scene there. So you got KCBS and the and the Backyarder series. What else is going on there? Um, there's not too, uh, like we got the schools that we're doing at the moment, and obviously uh, building me barbecues and stuff, um, catering. But a lot of guys have been. I suppose doing a lot of extra cooking at home um, and now they're going to get to use it all out in the competitions. There's lots of new teams coming up over here too now as well. I think uh, there's about probably nearly 50% of the field in the next competition is new teams. Wow. That's so cool. <sighs> oh, it, it really is too. And guy, uh, there's a couple from our Pitmaster university have started up their own teams as well. Yeah. That's what you want, man. You want to see your students get out there and get amongst it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's back things up a little bit. Um, tell me what was the last thing that you barbecued for yourself? Oh, for myself, um, probably jalapeno and cheese snags. Oh, nice. Did you make and it yourself as well? Some simple. We're just trying a different mix. And uh, on a Friday at workshop, um, while we're, we're actually building a new trailer for personal use, um, so we just do a little bit of barbecuing for ourselves while we're working. Oh, heaps good. That sounds amazing. Although I have, I, I have never actually tried a jalapeno cheese sausage given that I um, get massive migraines from cheese, but I see the photos and it just looks divine. They cut through those sausages, the cheese comes oozing out. It actually makes me wonder, would it be worth it to have the migraine just to try eating that sausage? Oh, there's a couple out there, but there's probably one or two that it'd be worth having to go at. <laughs> and so what is, the, what is the barbecue that you have on your, on your back deck there at home? Um, oh, I've got a few. Um, we've got the mini me, which is probably the smallest barbecue I've ever built for the sun. Um, that's uh, offset that is only four inches diameter by 12 inches long. It's really, really small. Um, then I've just got an acorn, uh, a Weber, um, a Weber junior, a drum an offset. And that's all I've got at the moment. Your, your back deck sounds a lot like mine. Yeah, well, then I've also got a <laughs> workshop that has probably around um, 10 smokers there as well. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt at all. I, I did see photos of that little mini-me and I was, um, I, I'm was i surprised to hear that it's actually functional. I thought that was like a trophy or a decoration no, piece no, or something. No, no, no. He cooks salmon in it quite regularly, the sun, um, lamb racks, sausages. We've done pork ribs in there. Very nice. Um, I think he even did uh, – He we were going to have the kids – um, competition over here for the Brew and Q, and he took that to the competition to use on it, but they, they gave him Weber Joe's to use instead. But he was all set to cook a steak for a competition with a reverse sear in the firebox and everything. But um, like I said, it was all into the Weber, Weber Joe's for that. All right. And so did that throw him off being forced onto a machine it, he wasn't familiar did, with? It did. He, he wasn't impressed because he lo- he's just like me. He loves the offsets. Um, I've got one son that loves competition, one loves catering, and he came along to the uh, comp all ready to go with his own offset and everything, and yeah, he used what was given to him. Yeah, so good, man. That's awesome. Now, you um, you did mention your, your shop there before where you got like another 10 smokers on the go. That's that's Southern, uh, Southern Ocean Smokers, of course. Tell yep. us a bit about how about how you got into building building pits. Um, well, the wife bought me a char griller many, many years ago um, for a Christmas present. And I thought, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. And, 
you know, did the old smoke away and make a bushfire coming out of it and <laughs> thought it was great. And then I saw the movie Chef and Aaron Franklin was on there and I saw one of his barbecues. I got a fab shop. I can make that. So we just started making them. And then we went to our first competition, um, took out People's Choice Award and then had about three or four people ask if I can make them for them. So that's how it started. That's so good. And you, you, you mentioned that you already had a fab shop. So has the, has the smoker complete, the smoker business completely taken that business over now, or are you, you're still um, running the, the two, like multiple jobs out of the fab shop? I'm still running multiple jobs. I used to run barbecues about five to 10 hours a week. That was it. That was, you know, I don't only book in that much, but now I'm at about 35 to 40 hours a week out of a 50 hour week building barbecues. So I'm actually booked till Christmas at the moment. Wow. So how, how many do you, do you think you've, uh, you, you've put over, you've turned over? Well, I got my, in the beginning, I was just getting generic gauges. Um, then I've actually got my own gauges made and I've put out over 50 of my own gauges. So that's how I'm sort of measuring how many I've done. Most barbecues only get one. The bigger ones obviously get more. Um, so I had about 25, maybe 30 of the other gauges. So I reckon about 50 barbecues I've done now. Wow, that's awesome. So the, the barbecue scene like really is growing fast over there then? Well, it's not so much that. I sent them over east as well. I did see that. Now, did that big blue one that you made that I love, did that end up coming over here? No, there was three guys looking at it, but then logistically and COVID sort of come about and I still have it. It was, look, I don't need to sell it. It was just, it's taking up space. It's more a space thing, but now I've moved to a bigger workshop, so it's not really a necessity. Well, there you go. Then you can justify it to the wife that way. You 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 have to keep it now. Yeah. Well, that's what I reckon. Well, because nothing's going to look worse to the customers coming into a smoker shop if it's empty. Oh, no, that's all right. I won't ever have that problem. <laughs> I think at the moment I've got six, six offsets on the shop floor. I've got a cabinet just starting to get made. I have two trailers in there and another one coming along. Yeah, that's Incredible. That's quite the range there, which was um, kind of leads into what I was going to ask you next was, do you have a particular specialty, a particular type of smoker that you love to build? Uh, yeah, it's just tra- traditional offset. Um, anything I make, I always try and make to run on straight wood. I don't like charcoals. I don't like other fuels. Um, everything I try and run on straight jar. Even my cabinet smokers, they run on straight wood. Really? What have you got against um, against charcoal and briquettes? Nothing. It's not so much that. It's just what I started with and I got used to using it really well. And I think you can get just as good as results out of wood uh, in timelines. You don't have to, you know, be feeding every 20 minutes. I think that's a big myth out there. Um, If you build a good quality pit, you can get a lot longer out of a piece of wood. Mm, Interesting. But how does it um, pan out with with the cabinets if you're trying to like shove logs into a cabinet because I thought the whole point of a cabinet was you'd fill it up with uh, charcoal and briquettes at the bottom and let it run for 20 hours and not have to worry about it. Um, oh, I can get about an hour out of a cabinet, um, but the cabinets I've built haven't been very small. Um, nothing I seem to ever is really small. <laughs> um, we did one that was 2.2 metres wide by 800 deep. So you can really fit a lot in there. It has 22 racks in it. Wow. Um, yeah. And each rack would have probably taken about eight briskets. I never got to cook on it. It's in South Australia at the moment. Um, that would have taken yeah probably eight briskets a shelf. That's incredible. I think that's bigger than a than a Myron mix and H two O, isn't it? Yeah, it's it was big. It took a forklift to move it. 
<laughs> That's cool. So what is the the biggest smoker that you've made to date then? Uh, I'd have to say it'd be the thousand gallon I did for Big Don Smoke Mates. That would be it, it, it. The cabinet was very big, as in how much it would take, but the physical size would have to be that thousand gallon, and it'd have to be the coolest one I've built. Yeah. So, that, how, how many briskets would you reckon would fit in a thousand gallon? Oh, look, Don would know more of that. I, again, I've never got to cook on one. Um, I'm pretty sure he'd be around the because oh, it's got a second shelf through it, possibly fifty. But it all depends on the size of the brisket too. We sure. don't get like huge briskets we're like five six kilo on your average um now we've got costco over here we'll get bigger briskets but you know you get five six kilo briskets over here's your average that's got to be a huge win for the barbecue scene getting your first costco are you all sort of crossing off the oh, days yeah. on the calendar pork, till it opens and ribs oh that's it you know the american cheese oh just like buying jack daniels in a liter bottle <laughs> so easy 1.75 hey it had me at that I actually, um, I, I first uh, was introduced to Costco when I was living in Korea because it was the only place to go to get um, uh, imported beer and steaks. You, you just couldn't get beef steaks at the butcher shops there. Yeah, well, like what they brought over here, I suppose it's just opened us up to, I suppose pork ribs is the big winner over here. So especially for competition. Yeah, cool. And so Big Don's, um, he's quite the personality. I met him when I was over there in uh, in Perth in 2018, which was the same competition I actually met you at there. Yep. So uh, the question that I want to ask, I guess, is is more to do with his with his smoker. Was that one on a trailer for you? Like, like is his a mobile setup or is it a station? Yeah, so he's got two mobile setups for me and a fixed setup. So he actually has a 500-gallon, a 1,000-gallon, and an 800-gallon. The 800-gallon is made uh, as the one for a restaurant. It's on a trolley. The 500 was his first one, which was mobile, which was one of the very first um, pits I built for, like, a customer, so to speak. Like, he dedicated, he rang me up, this is what he wanted, so we built that for him. And then the 1,000-gallon was the last one we delivered to him uh, November last year. Wow, so he, he's booming then if he's got those those three big ones. Oh, look, you, you can't uh, – the amount he does is just phenomenal. He really does cook a lot of meat. Um, I'm surprised he doesn't have his own farm breeding his own cows at the moment, the amount <laughs> he's going through. He's definitely the um, person to beat over here. If you want to be a caterer, you, you inspire to cook what he does. He normally fills all three pits every week, and if it's not once, it's twice over. Oh, wow, that's incredible, yeah. So – you just mentioned that that you had built one on a trolley, one on a trailer, and one that was stationary built. Is there a is there a difference in design for the for those individual smokers? I mean, uh, like obviously the the mountings are going to be different, but it, are there different considerations like how heavy the firebox has to be, or like for what kind of uh, well, stand they're on? I, I, tr- I try never to compromise on the actual smoker itself. So I always build the smoker first before I start on a trailer. Obviously, with a bigger firebox, it's going to be different where you mount on a trailer. I try and always make sure that the smoker is built how it needs to be built. I don't try and compromise anything like that. There is certain things that we have to do, a little bit more insulation here. But, you know, it's, it's not that much different. Yeah. So what what do you think has been the, the most interesting build that you've had to date? Um, I would have to say that 1,000-gallon, that was different building something so big. Um, it really tested the workshop I was in. That's another reason we've moved. Um, it was quite difficult being in a small fabrication shop trying to build something that was so long. I think I've, there's photos of me standing on it and 
even makes me look very, very small. <laughs> um, that was the definitely by far the hardest build just is in physical size when the firebox was a meter by a meter. Wow, that's huge, yeah. I can I actually could sit in the firebox when I had to weld it up. <laughs> that's awesome. So a 1,000-gallon tank, what, what's that in, in sort of uh, metric dimensions, like metres wide? Uh, four and a half. Th- oh, so in metres, it's a one-metre diameter by 4.8 metres long. God, that's huge. Yeah, it really is. Does it get trickier to build the, the, the bigger the... Uh, um, not so much tricky. It's just making sure that you've got everything lining up. Um, I'm pretty lucky. I have access to a lot of size of pipes over here, so I can make um, whatever firebox I need. The chimneys. I normally run a little bit of stainless, so that's my touch. As I use stainless chimneys, um, but stainless strapping and stuff like that. So it's not too difficult. You just got to always remember to get the right draw. So, and I always play with every smoker that goes out. I'll always do a test burn, make sure they're running how I want them to run. Okay. So your customers actually get them uh, like pre-burnt in, ready to go? Pre, pre-season in, yeah. I, cause I never build the same smoker twice. So everyone's always got a little bit of custom. I have, uh, okay, I have lately been building 20 inches uh, very similar because I've had a run of 20 inches. Um, lots of people, I suppose, can't travel, can't go and spend their money as they used to. So now that's, I think I've, eight 20 inches I've done over the last couple of months. So they are all relatively the same. Yeah, fair enough. I can certainly understand that. So what would be the dream build for you? Like if if someone came in and said, right, Molly, here's a, here's a blank check. Make me the best smoker in WA. I'd have to be an offset straight away. A thousand gallon offset. There's a few tweaks I'd want to do. Um, and if I really, if there's a blank check, I would go to town. Um, I've been priding myself in my paint jobs lately. We've spent a lot of time and effort trying to get shiny paint jobs. Um, really to have, I've always wanted to do a airbrush one with the American flag over the top. Um, oh, look, I'm never going to get to do it for myself. That's a big undertaking. But if uh, someone wanted to give me a blank check, I'm more than happy to do it. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so now the second um, sort of aspect or your your attack on the on the barbecue scene is your catering company. We've, we've mentioned it a couple of times already. Um, give us the name and, and tell us how that got started. Um, that's a Smashed As Burger Co. It sort of started on our front lawn cooking uh, one of our pitmasters. Uh, we just... What are we going to have for the Friday night while we're cooking? Oh, we'll have some burgers. And what do you like when you're really drunk and you're smashed as you want a burger? So we like to drink a little bit while we're cooking and we started burgers and we thought, oh, this is this seems much, much quicker, much more fun than I suppose cooking 24 hours before a service. So that's how Smash As Burger Co. sort of popped up and started. Um, and also something that my whole family can do. So my wife and my kids come and help out and the uh, barbecue team, the Molly's, Molly's barbecue team, they've all come over and they help out as well. So it's just been a little bit of fun. It all just started on the front lawn of my house. That's so good. See, I, I actually figured that the uh, smashed as part of the name was probably more to do with the the method of cooking. I figured they were all smashed burgers. I didn't realize it had to do with smashed, your beer intake. Yeah, they all were sma- smashed burgers, but we thought smashed as, you know, that's, I don't know if it's a WA bogan thing, but we like to drink and eat at the same time. 
I don't think that's uh, particularly limited to uh, to WA, no. my friend. So is it is it just burgers that you do? Or have you got like a bit of a wider barbecue menu? Um, we're building a new trailer at the moment, a seven and a half meter fully enclosed trailer, which will, we've been doing a lot of fried chicken, as you might have seen um, through Pitmaster University. Um, so we'll be doing fried chicken, bar, uh, burgers, and ribs. Oh, very nice. It's basically like a big cabinet smoker on the back of the trailer, then with obviously a hot plate and a couple of deep fries. Yeah, very cool. So that's um, it's going to basically be like a classic American diner on wheels. Well, yeah, hopefully. And uh, if all goes well, we're going to um, sell up everything here and go around Australia and sell barbecue. Oh, wouldn't that be the dream? So that is the dream of our family. We only decide probably at the beginning of this year is just to pull up stumps and let's build this massive big trailer. Right. So, does the trailer have have living quarters in it then, or will you get like a no? Nah, we're going to get a motor home, or yeah, motor home, tow it around, and um, just travel and no no destination, just keep driving. That's cool. Like, I guess of course the borders are going to have to be opened up before then. Although WA is very big, you got a long ways to go around WA. Yeah, <laughs> well, we we still got to build a bar. So we're ages away. It's a long term plan. It's not going to happen overnight. We've got kids in school and stuff. So, but that's still sort of our home. A little home goal for the family. Um, first, first port of call is uh, building the trailer, and that's what we're on at the moment. Mate, that would be so awesome. I, I, I guess the question that all the listeners are going to be asking is: Is the shop big enough to fit a bus in, or are you going to need a bigger shop? Uh, no, it'll it'll get the shop is definitely big enough in here. But then, as soon as we're done, we're gone. That's it. We're on the road. <laughs> it won't matter after that. Just, just lock the shop up and. Get back to it Pretty much, in a couple of years. And yeah, see where we go. Every year we travel to Karatha for a um, big festival and we love it every year. So we thought we'll just get going. Yeah, yeah. So would you homeschool the kids then or would you like? Yeah, def- yeah definitely homeschool. We've already gone down and we've got that path. Um, where one of our, our sons, he's autistic, so it's going to help him in life. He actually comes to all my pop-ups and he's been um, learning to build burgers for us. Oh, great. So he's doing really well. So that's how it all sort of come about. The catering is something for our family to do. Yeah, right. That's really interesting stuff. Yeah, I guess um, just as a teacher by day, I've, I've seen the education industry in the last literally six months sort of swing from being traditional classroom to being online. So you, you may not even need to do homeschooling. You could do online learning nah. from the road. Well, and every time we go up in October, we always ask, we, we take two weeks off and we ask the teachers, oh, do you want to give them a work pack? And they say, you know what, they're going to learn more on the road anyway. Um, they're fine. Just, just do a little bit of daily stuff with them. And they do, they really, they absolutely have a ball and they, they probably do learn more on the road. Oh, that's awesome. Don't tell my wife that though. She's been trying to get us to do something similar. <laughs> no, you got to do it. Yeah, it'd be a once in a lifetime, that's for sure, yeah. So um, what do you think then, just uh, looping back to Smash Daz Burger Co., what do you yeah. think then um, is the ultimate burger? Uh, you know what? Just a really simple classic cheeseburger but a double. That's it. There's nothing. Don't need no fancy. Don't need anything over the top. No fancy sauces. Just a really good quality double cheeseburger. And you know what? That, that's enough for me. Yeah, I've seen some of your photos. They look awesome. So when it does come to to making those patties, is it, it is it brisket mince? Do you blend it with pork? What do you like to do? Uh, no, it's all beef mince. It's um, we it's brisket and chuck, and then there's another meat in there that we don't disclose. Oh, okay, all right. Similar to uh, hot dog meat. It's that it's that mystery meat. 
That's that mystery meat. It's a 70-30 mix, so it's 70% meat, 30% fat. Um, but the uh, Ryan's, who are our sponsors, uh, they've um, worked really hard and they've got us exactly what we want. Yeah, that's really awesome that you can do that. I am. I was playing with some uh, mints here a few months ago, and I had some uh, leftover pork belly, which I'd trimmed and frozen in the in the freezer, and some leftover brisket. And I went, oh, I'll just chuck them together and see what happens. So it was uh, it was basically a fifty fifty coarse ground brisket and pork belly, and it was so good, it was amazing. The texture was yep. really interesting. Put a dash of lamb in there next time. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of lamb. So oh, that's me. I like it. It just sweetens it up a little bit. Okay, that's quite interesting. It had sort of, I, I guess, because lamb's quite a rich flavoured um, meat, yep. it'd sort of really uh, richify that up, if you like. Yeah, so you only want a little bit, but. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So you like your your meat and cheese on your on your hamburgers, two meat patties, two two cheese. Yep. What What is a a must not have on a burger for you? Um, no, there's nothing really out there. I'm pretty pretty open to whatever people want. I get some really weird requests and we do anything. Um, probably salad. You don't make friends with salad. <laughs> um, I do a lot of dirty burgers with bacon and all sorts of different sauces and stuff like that and fried onion jams and stuff, but salad's sort of not one I've got into. I, I can't stand tomato on a burger, but yet I love tomato sauce. So um, just, yeah, the salad part, I just... For me personally, I don't see why it should be on there. Yeah, fair enough. So you you mentioned that you get some pretty uh, some pretty wild requests there for the burgers. T- tell us a bit about some of the more far out there requests you've had. Oh, we are we've done a monster box, which uh, one of those burgers came about was it was everything in our monster box we did through uh, Molly's, which was brisket, pork, uh, beef rib, patty. And then he wanted chicken wings pulled apart and put on there as well. And I'm like, mate, you're never going to be able to eat this. And you know what? He demolished the whole thing. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And then the other one was the ground and pound challenge burger that we came up with. Um, Someone said they could do five patties. And I said, well, if you can do five patties, let's do it. So it's a pound of ground beef. So we do five patties, uh, five slices of cheese, five slices of bacon and some wings with that. And... He thought he could eat it, but he couldn't. Oh, right. Oh, thank God. I thought you'd tell me you got through it. I was, I was going to say, nah. geez, his, his cardiologist is going to love him next week. Yeah, he got about halfway through it and then buckled. <laughs> was there a prize associated with that? Was no, it some kind no, of challenge? he just wanted or? to try and show up in front of his <laughs> friends at a pop-up we had um, when we very first started up. And it's sort of stuck now. There's a few people. Uh, one guy on our team, Bundy, he's actually uh, finished one. Um, he did it quite quickly too, but he, he's... He's a bit of a big fella and he likes to eat. Uh, just, just a bit of a spin-off question. Is that Bundy from Sandgroper Barbecue? No. No, no, that's Boyd. Boyd, sorry. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, Bundy's on my barbecue team. So yeah. I've got uh, Leroy, Bundy, and myself that are still current. But we actually had a another guy, Will. He's in Port Hedland now. And Ben, um, he's over in Queensland. So oh, our right. team's getting spread out over Australia at the moment. Well, I'm going to uh, interview somebody next week who's got a bit of an interstate team, so you might want to look into doing that as well. You can fly over here and do some comps over here and fly back over there and do some comps no, over we're there. we're going to go on the road and do it from on the road, mate. Yeah. So we don't even need to fly anywhere. We'll just drive there. Good point, good point. I, I can just see you planning out the map now based on competition dates. Yeah, just don't tell the wife that part. Yeah. The, um, the KCBS calendar, though, is a bit difficult to sort of plan out that far ahead. 
It is at the moment. Um, it just is what it is. So we're not really too fast. If a comp comes up, a comp comes up. It's um, I went a lot further than I ever dreamed I would have in the competition series. I only was ever going to end a one, and then it kind of just snowballed from there. <laughs> it always does. <laughs> oh, it does. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so, okay, tips for building an awesome burger, like the the photography-worthy Instagram, instant Instagram famous burger. How, how do you go about putting together a photogra- a photo-friendly uh, so burger? Stunt burgers? Stunt burgers, yes. That's a much yeah, better term than what I was trying burger. to stumble through. Yeah, oh, look, um, there's a lot more concentration than a normal burger. If you really want to try and... You know, you know a stunt burger. You can pick them a mile away. You know, it's not what you normally get. It's not what you eat sort of thing. You know, you can see that the pickles have been strategically placed and the sauce is drizzled over strategically. Um, you know, some of our burgers, we just build um, and then they become stunt burgers. You know, some of the guys on the team want to try something a little bit different. You go, wow, that looks good. Let's, let's set it up on a nice board and get some good lighting and take a photo. Um, we, uh, they are more fun um for every stunt burger you see trust me there's a lot being uh, pushed to the side <laughs> that didn't just make falls the cut. on the floor <laughs> yeah yeah it falls on the floor you know what that looks too good let's just eat it the old uh sorry i ate it before i took photos that happens quite regularly just a couple of crumbs left on the plate and photograph that yep. put that on instagram yeah that, that's it that's what we should really photo <laughs> are there any tricks like um I'd, like i'd imagine getting some like kebab skewers and sticking that down through the middle yeah, to make everything stand really, in line. and Yeah, you'll see them. There'll be a pickle sitting on top of a burger. Well, someone's really got a skewer through that and they've hidden the top of the skewer with a pickle. Um, when you make multiple burgers, like multiple patties, um, I actually make obviously the bottom one a little bit bigger than the rest and, you know, you can make them tiered and oh, there's, there's lots of little tricks. Um, really, you just got to get in there and do it and, Make sure she doesn't fall over, mate. Yeah. <laughs> That's the biggest one. They, they seem to fall over a bit if you want to go too silly, too high. Yeah, I'd imagine so. So when you say that you make the bottom one bigger, I'm assuming that's in diameter then, not height? Yeah, no, in diameter so, I normally have it so it's hanging over and you can't see the bottom of the bun. Oh, so, okay. Just look nice lacy edges, just drizzling over. Or if we do the fried chicken, I, I actually did one oh, during COVID. It was a bunless burger where I'd use fried chicken as the bun instead and had brisket in the center. Um, did have salad in that one because what else are you going to put when there's only fried chicken and brisket in there? You've got to have something. So there was cheese and cheese and lettuce in that one. Um, oh, look, some of these burgers I see out there, there's no way you can eat them. You have to take them apart. Um, I think I went to one place and he had mac and cheese as the buns and he had pork belly in there and he had brisket and he had patties and then pulled meats. And now I'm like, Oh my God, it's a whole meal just stacked as a burger. I've, I've seen that sort of thing. They, they sort of press the Mac and cheese into a patty and then deep fry it. To, so it, yep. it all holds that shape. Yeah. So we've, we've never gone down the Mac and cheese path. Um, I'm not a fan of Mac and cheese. So I, I don't normally cook anything I don't like. Yeah, fair enough. My wife does love mac and cheese, being American, but um, she's a bit odd. She only likes the uh, I come a craft. I think it is. It's the it's the blue box, and it's got to have not the, the easy mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, my kids yep. love easy mac. Uh, I, I try and make mac and cheese like I would for a pop up, and then I oh, know we'll just have easy mac. Thanks. Jeez, yeah. I put all this love into it, and they just they'll just go out and get a craft easy mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it doesn't taste like plastic, she doesn't want it. 
pretty much. It's very strange. Very strange. Um, okay. So you have mentioned a couple of times the the barbecue school, Barbecue University. Um, yep. you are you are co-owner of that with the one and only Mr. David Ong, I believe. Yep. So the yep. bit the the first question that I want to know is um do you get a word in when you're working with Ongi? Um look, he'd love <laughs> to have me out there more often, but I'm just not a, I'm just not a public speaker. Um you know, maybe a couple of pints in and I'll come a little bit more friendly and, and speak a bit, but I, I'd, he's the brains and I'm the brawn out the back cooking away. Um, I, I cook all the barbecue. He does a little bit in front of everyone. Um, it really works well, so I, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So you're the drummer down the back, bloody sweating and getting it done, and he's, yeah. the, he's the lead singer out the front. He's the lead singer. He's Run, he loves it, and I reckon he could talk underwater. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so. So give us the rundown on, on how you got into that. Um, I was cooking at a restaurant and uh, a restaurant pub down where I live. Um, he wanted to do a masterclass. I said, yeah, man, come down to a masterclass. That's no problem. Ran it past the uh, bar manager there. She was like, yep, this sounds good. And then it sort of just snowballed from there. And he goes, oh, you want to go out and do this more often? I'm like, okay, yeah, sounds pretty good. So, and that's how Pitmaster University sort of started. Um, he'd been running a few classes by himself um, for a couple of years and then sort of just wanted to go bigger and better. And the demand was there. The demand's absolutely phenomenal over here. Wow. Um, so then, yeah, we've, that's, that's how it sort of started. And we haven't looked back since. Yeah, so when you say that you were cooking at the restaurant, were you cooking for the for his class at his restaurant? No, no I was or? cooking for a restaurant. Um, I'd go in every Friday night and cook through till Saturday morning and serve up. It was there was something they were they wanted to get into, but it, it didn't really work out. Um, you know, I don't like to compromise, and there was a few things I wanted to compromise on, so we parted ways. You know, that was it. Sorry, didn't want to. And then I said, David goes, "Well, you want to keep doing classes? I love cooking, so yeah." So that's how we kept doing the classes. Yeah, right. So as long as the fire's burning, you're there. Um, so there's a whole bunch of teams out there now doing master classes and all that sort of stuff. What what sets Barbecue University apart from from everybody else? Um, not so much. We're, we're apart. Uh, we just we're friendly. We're open. There's nothing that's sort of hidden. Um, it's more suited to your beginners. Not 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 really anything to do with competition barbecue. Um, but then we also show on a variety of different barbecues. So obviously we've got the big offset there that I'm running out the back. Um, then we've got um, about five or six different other small barbecues um, that we show. And we go around um, from different venues and we just sort of travel. Um, there's nothing really locked in. We're not as politically correct as we should be. Um, <laughs> you know, we like to have a bit of a joke. Me and Dave and I have a good little banter thing going on and we get – just as many comments on that as our barbecue sometimes. Um, you know, we don't want to stitch each other up while we're doing the class as well. So it's 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 pretty fun, loose, um, family-orientated too. We get a lot of kids coming along, a lot of wives as well, not just the men. So, and I take my kids, they come and help me as well. So it just it's just good family fun. That's what it's all about, mate. I, I really like hearing that. So when you say that it's not the most PC, it's also still obviously family friendly and it's, no, it's definitely no, family no one's going to get upset. And- nah, no one gets upset, you know. It's it's all just a bit of fun. Um, you know, there's no terms that's, you know, it's got to strictly be called this and strictly be called that. It's, you know, it's thin blue smoke and it's rolling and we're having fun and just – 
we just try and teach people if it's hard, you obviously go on a little bit wrong. Um, it shouldn't be hard. It should be fun. It should be very communal. Um, and you should be able to show everybody and, and just share the love of barbecue. Yeah, you've definitely covered all the all the pillars there. That's really cool. So, give us a bit of a rundown on a on an average class, and like, what are what do people learn? Do you do you know seven proteins in a day? What's it all like? How does it all run? Um, well, we start off and we show them smash burgers. That's the very first thing they get to see. Um, we show them trimming of beef ribs. How to do um, also with our offset. A lot of people who come to our classes. So they've got a really strong smoky flavour to their meat and then they eat ours and they're like, oh, well, there must be something special. What have you done different? I said, no, we haven't done anything different. We've just, uh, the, the main rub we use is just salt and pepper on just about everything throughout the class and everyone's like, no, nah, there's got to be something secret in here. So we actually show in front of them as much as everything they get to eat at the class, we actually show them how we prepare each meat in front of them and, and stuff like that. So, and then we do... Also, low and slow and hot and fast, saying, look, there's different ways. You don't have to just be stuck with one way. There is different ways to barbecue. Um, and that lamb ribs, which is something that we show over here because we enjoy lamb ribs. Um, reverse sear, caveman. A lot of people think you can't put your meat straight on your charcoal. Well, with the right charcoal, you can. So we do a caveman. Um, and then brisket as well. Everyone loves brisket. So we show them how we do a bit of brisket and pulled pork and just different things and we mix it up. We don't always keep it the same. Uh, if I've got a comp competition coming up, I'll actually show a little bit of comp stuff. Um, that's about the only time you'll get competition stuff at one of our classes. It's a bit of an extra. So does that give you a bit of an opportunity to, uh, to prepare all your competition meets ahead of time? Yeah. So if I'm, <laughs> you know, not really uh, going too well on a protein, I may slip one in at a course just to get a bit of feedback from uh, the students and, I can be pretty critical after a few drinks, so it's always good. <laughs> yeah, the honesty always comes out when you're about four or five yeah, years in. And, and that's what we need. You know, a lot of the judges don't actually tell you where you're going wrong. They'll, you know, they'll give you a score, but they won't write down if you, it's just a little bit you chase and they won't tell you. So the best way is to go give it to a whole heap of drunk people because they'll sure tell you real quick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Right, so you got like so many different uh, d different things on the boil at the moment. You got those three different angles there. What's what's coming up in the in the future now? You you mentioned the long term future before with the trip around Australia. What are you sort of looking to tackle? I mean, you've you, you've still got four more months left of the year. That's like four more new projects for you. No, I am like seriously. I don't think I could take on another project at work. Um, even in life, we're booking out November now for gigs already. Um, even looking in December for Christmas parties, we've only got a few spots left. So, um, where, when I first started, I would only have booked about a month out. I'm booking four to six months out now. Um, wow. if, if I'm looking in July, if I'm not looking at December, obviously not out there on social media enough. Um, I never thought it would be like that, especially with uh, pit building. I really thought there was only X amount of barbecues that Australia would want every Every time I think that it's dried up and, okay, I've built every trailer barbecue I'm ever going to build, I'll get another order or two orders. Um, the current one I'm about to start building in the next couple of weeks are a little bit different for me. It's got a few extra features I've ever done. So I'm always doing new stuff as well. Well, that's got to keep it interesting for you at least. Yeah. But the great thing is, is I, I get to – the projects are other people's projects too. So you get to see the joy on their face when they – they get a new barbecue or they roll up. Um, I send them little screenshots through the build, but then at the end, I, I don't really send them anything till they come pick it up. Yeah, and that that look of joy on their face when they see it—that's that—that's really got to make your day. 
Oh, it does. And then also when they put it up on, on Facebook and everyone, where did you get that from? That, that that's, that's something a little bit different. It's, it's good. And especially when uh, there was a guy, uh, Kalgoorlie's about 800 Ks away from us. He come down, he bought, he bought a barbecue and drove it home and he's, he rang me up and goes, oh, I took a little longer to get home. I said, why is that? He goes, I got pulled over four times. I said, oh, well, what happened? He goes, well, people just wanted to look at the barbecue. Oh, okay, well, that's, that's a little bit different. So the, the police pulled him over just to have a sticky beak? No, nah, no, it was just general public. You know, every time he'd stop somewhere to fill up or, you know, he'd have to stop and talk about it. And he goes, yeah, mate, everyone loved it. It was, it was great. Uh, especially when we used to steam down the road with our big, but we had two big blue barbecues over here. The one that you saw, there was another one exactly the same as that. And we were telling them at the same time um, up the middle of the freeway and the amount of looks we get when there's two big blue smokers going down the road. Yeah, that's awesome. I I am not too uh not too afraid to admit I have a huge crush on that blue smoker. Yeah, well, it's probably going to go back to how it used to be. It's going to come off a trailer that I trialed. It was going to be a, ca- a cartridge slide out trailer. Um, just not happy with it, so I haven't really posted many photos up of it. It stayed pretty uh, off social media. But I'm going to go back to the old traditional ones that I make. They're, they're so much better. They've got so much more appeal to me and the retro sort of style. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Alrighty, so now we're into the lesson part of our of our episode, the part where we get to share some wisdom with the with the listeners and the and the viewers. And given that you're a master pit builder, I thought we might ha- have a bit of a chat about building pits. How about that? Yeah, we can do that. Awesome. So I guess when because we have a lot of DIY listeners and viewers of, of of this show, I guess where do you start when in terms of design? Um, I'm probably a little bit uh, not on the computer side. There's a few guys that do the computer. I see the calculation ones out there. The uh, there's a Feldens calculator and the Smoker Pit Builder calculator. They're all right, but they don't take into account a lot of other factors like material thicknesses and, you know, even the wind on a day can change how a smoker runs. So sort of I pick a cook chamber first and then I will go and find the correct pipe because I do insulated fireboxes now, so a round piece of pipe with a square box around it. So I actually go and find what I need to suit the cook chamber and then I'll go and suit a chimney. I normally make my chimneys a little bit longer because it will draw a little bit harder, so then I'll cut them down to where they need to be. Yeah, right. Now, so the, the Feldens calculator in that, is that the size of the firebox to the size of the cooking chamber? Cook chamber to the size of the chimney. It's all, all they give you, they say it was a, a third to a quarter the size of your cook chamber should be your firebox. Um, I've proved that to be wrong many times. Oh. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, I, I'm, sometimes my cook chambers are 10 to 12 mil thick. They may be making that on three to six mil thick material um the thicker material holds its heat longer and then when it's insulated firebox is completely different again as well and how you do your chimney and everything every time you change something little it has an effect somewhere else yeah yeah i can certainly understand that so i guess then the the next question that i have for you then you mentioned uh, insulated fireboxes there I, I have seen yours before and you did just mention it briefly you've got you like to do square fireboxes with a yep. round sort of inner in a yeah, tube so kind I, of thing. I actually start with a piece of round pipe, a, a large piece of round pipe, and then I put a box around it um, while packing it full of insulation. Why do you go for the two different shapes? 
Um, ease of ability. Um, it, it was more, it's, it gets me the right sizes I want. Um, I like the look of a Moberg smoker over in America and Aaron Franklin smoker. So I actually merged that. Uh, I took two, like bits and pieces I liked off both smokers. Um, it just, it really suits how I want to build. Um, it makes me get a nicer flow to how I want them to sit. Um, I normally make the box the same width as the cook chamber where the firebox, uh, firebox pipes are a little bit smaller. So obviously I can pack my insulation in there. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I, I can certainly see how you'd be able to pack like a lot more um, insulation around in the corners than if you've, if you've got a circle inside a square. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and man, I, there's a fine line of putting too much in there as well. Um, we did uh, the one for Don's, the probably eight, uh, the 900 gallon. That probably has a bit too much insulation in there. That one you can sit on top of the firebox wise. It's actually cooking and it doesn't get hot. Okay. So no. why why would that be a problem? Um, well, it can be a problem with it will burn so clean. You, you'll get little. I know he gets a lot less bark in that one. Oh, interesting. So... Um, he has commented he runs pecan in that one and a little bit of a dirty fire from time to time. Right. Okay. So you've then got to try and go, go against your, your natural fire management techniques to sort of yeah. dirty it back up. Yeah. Well, that one there, it, it's, it's a huge, absolutely monster firebox. Um, I probably went a little bit overboard, but it was going on a wooden deck. So we were going to make sure it didn't expel too much heat. Um, it was in a commercial setting as well. Um, it was just something I tried and it, well, it's got great insulation. It means that the wood burns for a lot longer as well. Yeah, right. And so what do you um, use as, as as insulation? Is it just a like a fire blanket? Um, it, it, uh, that's, it, it's, it's a rock wool. Um, and then I get different lagging as well. I, I, in the industry, I know some guys that do some lagging. Um, so I can get insulation from them. Uh, I've used all sorts of different things, but I'm pretty set on what I use and I that's a bit of a secret of mine. Oh, fair enough. Okay. All righty. Um, I, I get that. Thank, thank you for telling us as, as much as you have. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've talked about designs. Um, you know, you, you said that take a look at Moberg, take a look at Franklin and, uh, you, you sort of put those two bits together. One of the things that I saw on yours was a, like a collection chamber at the end of the chimney there. So the, the chimney kind of doesn't yep. come straight at the top of the cook chamber. It sort of goes across and then out. Yeah. It was, yeah and that's the Aaron Franklin sort of style. Um, he put in his little, he did a little video um, series. That's how I started like seeing how to build pits. Like obviously over here in WA when I started it, I didn't know anybody. I just saw the movie and that was it. And then I sort of researched and found um, his little video series and watched how to build pits from there. And, so I do the hinges um, were similar to his. Uh, they don't run counterweights, but then obviously the more research you do, you find you know, counterweights and, and I, some of the doors I've made, if it didn't have a counterweight on it, you're not lifting it. <laughs> um, they do get very heavy. Um, I suppose you get big arms after a while, you know, if that's what you want to do. But uh, not for me. Uh, it's just the, the collector, it seems to work. He explains that it pulls across the grill a lot easier, a lot more even. And I suppose if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So when I started doing that, I've never done anything different. And it, it, it would be hard to argue with advice like that from uh, from the man himself. Pretty much. Um, well, I still idolise him. I still look up to him. Um, he inspired me at the beginning, still does now. Yeah. He, he's a very cool dude. 
Um, so what what tools would a would a backyard DIY person need then? Um, a welder and a grinder would get most of the work done. Um, I actually found because oh, I build quite a few now is I use a laser level um, for marking out my doors on the ones that projects the red uh, red line out that um, really helped me. Um, marking out multiple doors, especially if you're going to do four doors all in a row and you want them all in line, makes life a lot easier. Um, but I, I used to oxy cut doors out. That doesn't work. Oh, it does, but it'll buckle a door. Um, went to a plasma machine. That can put too much heat into it. Um, so back, I started with a grinder. I'm back using a grinder cutting open doors. Oh, like with a big oh, old cutting disc? Yeah, with a one mil cutting disc. That's still how I cut doors. Um, okay. I've got a little bit of a process to cut doors open. I don't let it get very hot. I take a lot of time cutting the doors because I rushed a few and they did both. Um, and then you've got to sit there and you've got to re-straighten a door. That's so, going to be a pain. Yeah, it, that is, it takes up time. And when you're trying to do it as a business, um, you don't have time to sit there and do rework, so to speak, and fix things that you could have just taken a little bit more time at the beginning. Yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's definitely a good tip there for sure. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> So I guess then, are you a are you a reverse flow or a direct flow guy? Direct flow only. Direct flow only. Yep. Okay. Not even interested in reverse flow. Why is that? Uh, I've used a few, and I'm just not a fan. Um, I, I look, it's the old Holden versus Ford, isn't it? It's the traditional versus the reverse flow. Uh, a traditional guy is diehard through and through, and a reverse flow guy, he's diehard through and through as well, and you can't tell them no different. Um, there's all, it always comes up on just about every page. You see them argue against each other. I'm like, mate, if it works, it works. Um, I'm a traditional man. I'm going to stick with that. Fair enough. Hard to argue with that. Now, I guess, um, when it comes to materials then, what for, a for, for someone in the backyard building their first offset smoker, would they, what sort of thicknesses of material should they be looking for? What um, sort look, of, you don't uh, want to go anything, uh, under three mil. Um, like your cheap barbecues around town are, you know, three mils sort of thick as they go. I like six mil. Um, a lot of my barbecues now I'm running up at 10 mil. Um, it's just what I've got access to. Um, the customers love it too. Cause it's a little bit thicker. It's going to, they're going to outlast them. Um, the thicker the material, the more heat it's going to hold. It's going to help. Um, especially if you've got it in a stiff breeze. So uh, that's just another reason we do the insulated fireboxes. I like a nice, thick, thick firebox. Um, that'll hold its heat for a lot, lot longer. Yeah, I'm always really impressed when I go to these competitions and I see these guys with their insulated fireboxes. The, um, the Chris from Smoking Hot Bros recently sold his beautiful big trailer, but he used to run this huge trailer with this tiny, tiny little fire about the size of a soccer ball. It was yep. just phenomenal. And, and that's what I get back to with those calculators to say you've got to have a firebox one-third the size of the cook chamber. That's cool, but we only got to run a tiny little fire in it if you've got it set up right. Like uh, even my 750-gallon, I'm probably running the same size fire from a 250-gallon. It's just the way I've got it set up. You don't need to go through a lot of extra wood for no, no, no extra gain. Which in turn keeps your overheads down for your catering business and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, especially when you're buying wood four tonne at a time. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine it would uh, certainly become a big issue there pretty quickly. All yeah. right. So um, you mentioned something before that was that sort of sparked my interest there. You mentioned a slide-out cartridge on a trailer. What was that about? 
Um, I wanted to do something different there to be great, um, so to speak, something to stand out from the crowd. And I built a trailer where my 750 gallon actually sits in the middle traveling. And then when I get to where I'm going, it actually slides all the way out off the trailer um, without rigors. And then there was a big outdoor umbrella that would go over the top. Um, something a little bit different. Um, I don't like it. My team likes it. Uh, lots of other people like it. I actually don't like it, so I've kept it a little bit harsh on social media. I, I thought it was going to be good. Um, I just didn't like it. So I'm going back to a traditional style trailer. So back out all the other ones I give my customers. So what sort of inspired you to go that way? Was that because you didn't want to have a like a physical trailer on site or was it just... Uh, it was it was more for doing catering and service and stuff like that. I want a nice big stainless area. Uh, when you go to a catering, you've got to pack up and set up and then you've got to service. It's a lot of work. So we're trying to cut down on work. So we had all the stainless benches all put into it and, and under-counter fridges and all the wash-up facilities. It was just trying to reduce it. Um, it just it, it did what it needed to do. I just I still like the old traditional. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm I'm I'm, very, I'm starting to get that from you. <laughs> very 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 set in my ways, and yeah, <laughs> my, my team always try and give me ideas, and I just no nah, no. Nah. So it's just I suppose I'm a little bit stubborn in my ways. Well, mate, that's why you're the boss. So look, that's probably a good point in the in the episode now for us to start to wrap things up. So I'm I'm going to turn the studio over to you. Give some yeah. shout outs to who you want to give some thanks and some praise to, and tell everybody where they can track you down across your three different businesses across the multiple yeah. different social media platforms. Yeah, well, well, you can find us on um, Southern Ocean Smokers on both Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Molly's Barbecue Smokehouse is our competition team. Um, again, Instagram and Facebook, uh, Smash Daz Burger Co. is our catering. We go around and sell burgers. That's what we do. Um, definitely Ryan's Quality Meats um, has helped us out over here. Um, they are really easy to work with. If we want something different, they do it. Um, they help with our mince blend. Um, we use El Granino Rolls as well. Um, that's another great small business over here. He listened we wanted our roles slightly bit different than everyone else's so we did it um cool. he's also working on a new hoagie roll for our philly cheese steaks um we did a trial the other week and that come out really well um david ong from uh he helps uh he's got pitmaster university to help out with um he's been a great help um really good supporter of everything we've done he actually travels with us as well when we go to caratha we take pitmaster university on the road um, I've got Bundy, Leroy, Will and um, Ben on our team. They are always help out, always come along to everything. I suppose my wife who really um, kicked it all off for me buying my first smoker, it's actually all her fault that barbecue's taken over our lives. So I'll just make sure I get that. It's all the wife's fault. And then my kids who come and help out everywhere. Those guys are absolutely little champs. They come to comps, they come to um, catering gigs, they just, yeah, they're just great little guys to come along and help me out. That's beautiful, man. That's what it's all about. Barbecue is all about family first and foremost. It, it is. And and sharing the love. You'll see even my son who is autistic gets out there and talks with people and shares them and tells them, and yep, this is how you do this. And and then the younger one who does the comp, uh, competition side, he's out there talking to 
people about how to cook briskets and stuff like that and shows that a 10-year-old can run a 750-gallon smoker. And he, he does that with ease as well. He's in there loading it with a shovel and, and he loves it. So it's definitely family, family for us with barbecue. And some good entrepreneurial skills there too, that like out, outside of just the cooking. Get out there with the crowd and spruik the crowd yep. and get people interested and, yeah. Convert oh, those competitions. We we have the uh, people uh, people's choice over here. So the uh, tips or treats. So they get out and they love to spruik and come in and you know it's a bit like an Italian um, fruit and veg market sometimes out there. They're all spruiking and, <laughs> and having a real good time. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Look, I'm I'm going to say thank you very much for your time. Thanks for coming on board the show. You're doing some great work over in WA, and I'm lo- really looking forward to getting over there again. Yeah. Hey, you got to come over soon. We're having a f- absolute fat time over here being allowed to do competitions and have barbecue and do all the stuff we used to all righty family there you have it that was jason molly meldrum from southern ocean smokers from smashed as burger co and from barbecue university i don't think there's a single angle that this guy isn't working on the barbecue scene and it's pretty easy to see why he's such a pillar of the growing rapidly growing wa barbecue scene so huge huge props to him we we heard um all about the wa scene we heard about his his smoke a business company and, and how he built that and how that's all come together. We talked about the smashed at, uh, the smashed as burger co. I don't know why I can't get that. I can't get that out of my mouth tonight. It's a bit late on a Sunday evening. And we talked about barbecue university working with uh, the very famous Ongi as well. And then we closed out with some lessons on building your own pit. Now I know that there's lots of you out there who do love to DIY some stuff. I've seen a lot of your photos pop up in our smoking hot confessions, barbecue community there on Facebook. So there was tons of great info in there from Jason for you about getting out there and building your own pits and really try and try and do your best to get your family involved as well. Cause we know barbecue is a family affair. So that's all the time we have for this evening. If you're watching on Facebook, give this video a like and a share. If you're watching on YouTube, give it a thumbs up, a subscribe, and hit that little notification bell. Uh, IGTV, be a heart and a follow. And if you're listening on a podcasting app, do make sure you give us a five-star rating and review. That really does help us out, and it tells the robot overlords that the show's good and they need to push it out to more people. So we do appreciate that, and thank you very much for your time as well. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.